With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. 
Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. A camel turn Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Fighting Cop podcast. Today I'm joined by George Knott of Football Radar. And basically what happened, we got an email from George, didn't we, uh, about three, a couple of months ago? Or just what, after the draw. Yeah, just yeah. after the draw when, when um, we got drawn Ghent in the, in, in the Europa League. And as people who listen to the podcast regularly, they'll realise that we're terrible at previewing games because our, our understanding of anything outside of Tottenham is pretty much zero. Um, and you, you said, why don't we come down and have a little chat about our opponents, Ghent? And I thought that was a good idea, because I don't know anything, and I want to learn a few things. But also, you cover Belgian football for your, for your job. Spurs have a massive contingent of, of German players. Not, I mean, we've got three or four, but they're massively important to us. And, you know, I want to talk a bit about how Tottenham are perceived in, 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 in Belgium as well, um, before going and previewing the Europa League tyre. So, George, tell us a bit about... Firstly, you're, you're from England or Wales. I'm from Wales. Sorry, yeah. sorry, just the accent. Uh, but why are you watching Belgian football all day? Why? Well, it? It, it is a bit weird for a sort of day-to-day job, but it's quite it's quite good fun. So I, I about a year and a half ago, found out about this company called Football Radar. Um, applied, got a job there, and we are we're a company based in London. We're a, a football analytics and a statistical modelling company. And what we do is there are just sort of a load of people like me who cover about 40 leagues across the globe, everything from the Premier League to the Belgian Pro League to the Japanese third tier. And so my job as the Belgian analyst is to watch and analyse every game played in the Belgian League and then when teams from Belgium play in Europe, play in their domestic cups. It's kind of my job to be the smartest guy in football when it comes to Belgian football yeah. um, and that's the same for all of our analysts across, across the company so it's not like how does it differ from something like Opta who it, I mean that seems sound similar stats and, and, and you know key part, I mean successful passes and that sort they, of thing is that it? in a way we are similar um, but what we've tried to do is sort of take a, uh, a different approach to football um, and not look at just kind of completed passes and sort of uh, shots on target because we sort of feel that that doesn't 
give you the full picture yeah. about football. You know, no. it's all well and good saying X player made 100 successful passes in this game, but if they're five yards to his centre midfield partner, he's not doing too much. So we wanted to try and develop a model of analytics that just helps you understand the game that bit better. I think there's always an argument, isn't there, for people who enjoy stats in football and people that hate them. Um, and there's, there is a, there's a happy medium somewhere because stats yeah. are useful. It does give you an understanding of the game, a more academic understanding, I guess. But there's also a subjective element about based on someone's personal knowledge and how much football they've watched, where you can see things that start, stats won't give you. And so it feels like football radar is that kind of happy medium, isn't it? Absolutely. You're using your personal opinion as much as you are statistical information. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, you often see it kind of trotted out on, on TV where you, you hear people sort of saying the stats aren't telling you everything. And in a way, we, despite being a statistical modelling company, we kind of agree with a lot of that because pure stats don't tell you everything. So mm. we, and we've still not cracked it. We're still kind of researching every day to try and work out how can you take this data and quantify it in a way that you can really understand football through figures and that aren't just simple passing shot stats whatever so do, do you ever get clubs approaching you for information and asking you about players or is that an element to it or can you not is that that side of the business you can't really talk about or? I'm, I'm, a li- I'm a little constrained on, on that sort of thing okay um, it's just that so pe- pe- people I understand that and I won't push any further people will ask and they'll say why aren't you asking about that so that, that's the only reason I'll, don't worry about it that's cool um, so um yeah, Spurs, uh, I'm, I mean, they would have gone under the radar for a long time, Tottenham. They're probably Most people in the continent would have known Tottenham for being, certainly before 2006, where we hadn't qualified for Europe for a long time, for just being a kind of mediocre football club. And we were that, by, by admission. Um, but we've kind of grown into a team that's occasionally been in the Champions League, but certainly a mainstay in the Europa League, where you tend to meet clubs from Belgium. But added to that, we've had the rise from Pochettino's influences and then how that's affected the team. But most importantly, we've, we've got Belgian national players in our side and really well thought of. You know, Moussa Dembele, I know he doesn't start Belgium. I think he should. I, I, I think he should too. Really? I, I think he should too. Right, let's start with him then, because he's my favourite. Well, I mean, it's an interesting one with the Belgian, Belgian national team because they kind of... They massively underperformed in the Euros. Yeah. And, and especially when you look at that kind of Spurs three of... Or the Varel, Dembele, and Vertonghen. None of them really. I just, they had some injury problems as well, but none of them really kind of pushed themselves into the side in the Euros. And Dembele is a strange one. I mean, I personally, I, I've said this for years. He's one of the best players I've ever seen in the flesh. Well, yeah. I was blown away the first time I saw him, and I think he will get a bit more time under Martinez. But there's still that kind of. I think a lot of the Belgian managers have seen Axel Witzel and Dembele as sort of a, a similar player when Witzel has often been the one to take that role mm. and then they've opted f- for Fellaini which I still don't entirely understand but he does offer something different but you have to feel that with Dembele's form this season at Spurs he is going to come into that that Belgian national team I mean I've, I've been looking I've been banging the Dembele drum pretty much since he arrived at Tottenham I, I absolutely love him I adore him I think he's amazing um, and he kind of was brought in to replace Modric which is a very difficult thing to do I mean I love Dembele but Modric is probably the best footballer I've ever seen in the flesh and then probably Dembele just because of the way he plays his strength you just cannot get the ball yeah. off him his skill the only thing missing from it is that statistically 
uh, sexy thing of assists and goals. I don't know if that's even a phrase, but the uh, the you know he doesn't score that many, he doesn't assist that many, but he's whole, he, all the good stuff that goes through Tottenham that happens at Tottenham goes through Dembele. Um, we miss him deeply when he yet, when, when when he doesn't play. So that's good to hear. But on the, then we've got Alderweireld as well as since coming into the Tottenham team has just we've become such a difficult team to score against and that seems to follow him wherever he goes same with Southampton and I'm not, I'm not sure how much he played at, at Atletico but you know he, he's what is why is he so good why is that hard to put into words I do get the sense with Alderweireld there's the sense of him kind of a presence that's actually off the pitch as well with him like he seems just the way he carries himself is extremely good but I also think for Belgium as well now it's interesting since Martinez has come in because he's actually started experimenting with a back five so back three back five as however you kind of want to view it depending on whether your fullbacks are playing mm. and I think that actually suits Alderweireld quite well um, especially when he's got Vertonghen next to him um, but he's just he just he reads the play I mean you watch games against Spurs and Belgium to a certain extent but they're still a work in progress mm. I think it's just the fact that like when you see crosses come in he's just he's in the right place before the cross is hit he knows yeah. it's that kind of eyes in the back of your head sort of thing where you know what's behind you just as sort of this kind of a natural instinct and playing with the Tongan is such a huge part of that when they're together I mean you'll probably agree and you will see more of Spurs than I have mm. but there's just something about having that experience and then when they went to the Euros and weren't being paired next to each other yeah it was just madness it was it's absolute madness we, we were, they were so good together yeah um, were they were they used as fullbacks I can't remember I, I've got a feeling in one game they might have been and then sort of at one point one would be a centre half one would be a fullback yeah it just it doesn't make sense so much of a centre back pairing is about chemistry and, and an understanding yeah. of each other and I think the interesting thing with Belgium is the part of the reason they did that is because they don't, did, or certainly the Euros, they didn't have particularly good fullbacks, no. certainly not the level of the rest of their team. Mm. So playing that back three, I think, is quite an interesting move because they do have good centre halves, you know, and companies fit as well. Yeah. That's a formidable back three, and that way you can have them all playing in their best position. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's quite exciting that Belgian team. Uh, yeah. It should it should go on and do great things. I mean, they've got an incredible squad, an amazing first eleven, but just the depth in their squad. Oh, it's astounding! It's amazing. Well, I mean, when we're what, saying, do you know why why that might be? What happened in Belgium? Is it luck or just a, 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 a like a, a bar? A, you know, suitcase of great players have just landed on the conveyor belt. I mean, I think there is that to an extent. There isn't interesting rule in Belgium whereby in the league and not all of these players came through the Belgian league but a fair number did uh, there's a rule that in your uh, match day 18 for a game you have to have six players in there who are sort of homegrown players yeah. um, and that you know you see it's kind of known as a league where these young players come through and I'm seeing even this season some of the guys at Anderlecht are just 19-20 years old and they're brilliant players but they are kind of getting that some clubs sort of bemoan the fact because it does make it difficult to field an 18 without putting a 16 year old on the bench but it does give these youngsters this chance to play at the top level mm. and some come straight into the first team so that could be a factor I do think there is also just this factor of 
they all came they through. They all came through, yeah. It's like the golden generation yeah, yeah. kind of thing. I, I also think that with rules like that, it is beneficial to the development of national players and the national team. Um, and, it, and it shows difference in... It's the Juliper. Is it Juliper? Jupiler. Jupiler, sorry. Yeah. Jupiler League. Um, in the, the Premier League is, is all about the brand, the global brand, the... the the, the, purchase, the syndication of, of, of the football throughout, and, and to ha- they're not interested in the development of, of homegrown players. It doesn't affect the Premier League brand at all. No. So let's just get the best players. Yeah. Let's relax rules and, and, and deregulate essentially the, 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 the betterment of the national team, which is one way of looking at it. We do have an exciting league. You know, English football is exciting. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's the argument because. If you were sort of to implement a rule like that in the Premier League, then you're in danger of making it a less entertaining league. Mm. It is the most entertaining league in the world because you have the best of the best, pretty much, yeah. come into the Premier League. Whereas, you know, if you're implementing that, it, it could affect it. But then, as you see with Belgium, it, yeah. it can help the national team. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Spurs are facing Ghent in... Uh, is it Gent or Ghent? Ghent. Because sometimes it's spelled with a H and sometimes yeah, a GN- it is, ENT. But it's still, yeah, Ghent. Um, what, d- d- I mean, how, how is Europa League football seen in Belgium? And Because in England, it's kind of seen as an inconvenience. No, very few Spurs fans are looking at the, apart from the ones going out to Belgium that are going to go out and have a good time. Most people are seeing this as a tie that you kind of want to get out of the way. You want to win, but not have to play the first team. You don't want to exert too much energy. Don't want it to affect our. Champions League to re-qualify for that but how, how might that be seen in it's kind of the other way around right I mean this there was a video of the Ghent players watching the the round of 32 draw for the Europa League and when they saw Spurs come out the hat against them they were going bonkers really yeah I mean this is huge this is a chance you know they could have been playing quite an obscure tie in Eastern Europe and now they've got Spurs playing at Wembley this is a massive game and I mean Ghent especially even throughout the group stages at times the manager would whereas with Spurs especially I think if you guys were in the group stages of the Europa League you'd expected Pochettino to go obviously strongest team in the league and then rotate yeah. in the Europa League um, Ghent's manager Van Hazebroek often did slightly the opposite and he'd play a bit of a weakened side in the league and then go full strength in Europe um, How does he get away with that though? Does he not expected to challenge for the title yeah he is and they're having real problems with it now which is why these Spurs games are going to be interesting because there's only five games left in the regular season in Belgium Um, four games by the time the uh, first leg of Spurs Ghent has been played and to challenge for the title in Belgium without going into this ridiculously complicated league system in too much depth you have to finish the regular season in the top six Mm. and you get to the championship playoff now Ghent are currently fifth uh, and the sort of four spots beneath them are so tight so they've basically got Europa League to contend with which you know I would expect them to go full strength in and then the league as well and if they didn't finish in the top six it would be deemed a major disappointment you know, they're one of the big boys in, in Belgian football what if they beat Spurs and, and finish outside the top six Is that's an interesting one actually because yeah. I, I, it would still be it's a really strange one because it would be huge for them to beat Spurs where, where, absolutely huge where did Ghent have to finish in the league to, to, to qualify for the Europa League again uh, they'd have to finish uh, third or fourth in, um, in the playoff yeah at the end of the playoffs 
um, second, third, or fourth. And the top two go into Champions League. Only the top, the only first place goes directly into Champions League, and, and then second the as qualifiers. And, yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, so they're, they're up for it. They're going to be up for it. Oh, they they will be really up for it. And I think it would be without being disrespectful. I think we run the risk of not being at the races at Tottenham um, in the times when we've sh- played a second string team this season we've struggled massively I can think of one game where two games where we played well and the, the, the game against Seska at Wembley where we, we beat them quite convincingly in the end um, but we, we, you know Harry Kane was playing you know, Son was playing it was, I can imagine him resting some during this game. So, how do, how do Ghent beat Tottenham if they're the underdogs? How, how do they? How do they? How do you think they can beat Tottenham? I mean, I'd say their main outlet is is sort of Ghent's top scorer, they're the striker, a guy called Kalafakula Bali. And it's sort of the way I'd, I'd sort of put him to you is he's almost kind of Marley's answer to Peter Crouch. He's this huge, kind of six foot seven. Very physical striker, actually, more so. He is such a threat in the air. Is He's he? so ungainly on the ball. I mean, sometimes you see him on the ball and it's, it's, it's a mystery that he's playing at this level. And then you see a cross come into the box and you realise why. Because he can be a real, real threat from set pieces. Um, he scored a volley in the last minute of the group stages of the Europa League to send Ghent through. Mm. And he's kind of this headers and volleys sort of guy. And he's the guy they'll probably look to. But it, they, do they play quite direct then? Uh, when, when he's, three, four, three, when he's playing, yeah, they tactically they're a really, really interesting team. Um, they kind of don't really play a recognised formation. Um, they'll, they, it's sort of three, four, three, sort of three, six, one, but they go to a back four at times. They'll often play with a winger on one side, but not on the other side. They play with a lot of very asymmetrical formations, which mm. sometimes, if a team hasn't put in their homework against them, then they could cause them trouble because the players pop up sort of where you wouldn't expect them to be. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably how they would... I mean, to be honest, if I'm being totally realistic, if Spurs played their strongest team, so they're not going to, I don't think Ghent would stand a chance. Mm. And not of the quality of the Spurs that I've seen this season playing time and again in the Premier League so where there could be weaknesses is if Spurs are playing a slightly weakened team and playing people not in positions they're familiar with mm. then there could be real trouble I think um, that definitely will happen Kane won't, won't play Alderweireld won't play Fatongan isn't fit uh, Dembele won't play Winks will likely to start so you, we, we'd, we'd likely to see, see a team that has probably plays 3-4-3 or 4-2-3-1 I was going to ask you that would you because I know sort of Pochettino at times this season has gone into a a kind of a back three or back five would you think he might revert to that then against Um, the team that plays that system he's now his his favourite position is is 3-4-3 with Danny Rose and Walker as I mean you'd say wing backs or but their average position when we play at home is almost the most forward yeah. You know, they're literally sitting there. It's it's almost like an old-fashioned um, formation that you the Spurs won the league with in '61, which yeah. was having five forwards, you know, two fly halves or whatever. But you know, centre halves and one at the back. It was crazy at times. But you, the team sits so deep at White Hart Lane that yeah. it, you, there's no no other choice. And that formation is perfect to, to break down teams that are, are so defensively resolute. Um, but we've lost Danny Rose and Vertonghen to injury, so it means that we don't have enough depth in 
uh, in, in defence to play free at the back. Yeah. So that um, Ben Davies, in, in the absence of Danny Rose, plays at that yeah. wing back role. But ideally, preferably, you play in part of the back three as he does for Wales. I mean, I, I think that's his position. I don't, I don't think he has the pace to play as a Premier League left back. Yeah, I think he is. He um, it's quite a niche position, but I think that is his position. Is the left side of a back three. Yeah, and and it's a shame for him because he would have played there given Vertonghen's injury. But yeah. Rose has been out, so it's forced him back yeah. into that fullback position. So it's unfortunate. I, I'm not sure how he sees himself, but. Like you say, for Wales, certainly that he looked very comfortable yeah. during the Euros, and he would have been a good replacement. We also have Vimmer as well, who um, he can also play that role, and is certainly can't play fullback. He's not mobile enough. But um, I don't know. It'll probably end up being a four-two-three-one, or if he can squeeze three at the back, then then he will. Um, but I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. So. Who uh, you mentioned this here? Four four two's fifty best managers in the world. Their manager, Hein van Hasbrook. Hein van Hasbrook. Yeah. Hasbrook. I'm not. I'm not entirely convinced. I'm saying it correctly <laughs> myself. But yeah, it's sort of what I was saying about them tactically. Um, and I think at the end of last year, four four two magazine released their fifty best managers in the world for the year, and he was uh, number twenty eight. I think one place ahead of George Sampaoli. So kind of really mixing it with. With the top top guys in the world, and he is he is a really forward thinking manager. I mean, he he they've struggled this season, but in uh, season before last, he won the league again. It's the first time they've won the league. He then last season took them to the last sixteen of the Champions League, which I mean for them was madness, absolutely enormous. Yeah, I mean he, to go out at that stage, it was still a huge success for the club. The problem with them slightly was their three best players really last season all left in the summer and had not really replaced them. There's a guy called Sven Kums who was bought by Watford and has been sent out on loan to Udinese where he's just not having a great time. Mm. They had a striker called uh, Laurent de Poitre who went to Porto, again has struggled. And then their goalkeeper went to Newcastle, this guy called Matt Sells, and has just totally flopped at Newcastle really which is bizarre because he was so good last season it just it, sometimes you, and it, for football you can understand it because get into the Premier League even with Watford more money um, if you have a good a good season you could end up moving to a bigger club in the Premier League and you can set yourself up for, for life and you understand it from their perspective but so much about football seems to be about every the, the, the whole package the yeah. whole club are you having the right manager are the tactics correct for you is the environment supportive um, and then just, it isn't just to say so you're a great player and you leave the club. You saw some of the Southampton players that left Pochettino, uh, left uh, Southampton and went to Liverpool struggled massively under yeah. Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, because Brendan Rodgers has a different method to Pochettino. The Lovren and Lallana have come good under Klopp, but it seems uh, it's a shame sometimes that players are less willing to stick around and see things through. But by the same token, you can understand why they yeah. do. And I mean, with going back to Belgian football, with the top clubs, that's it's just how life works in football. Mm-hmm. Players don't. If you have a really good season, they don't stick around. You know, it is it's a feeder league really to the bigger European leagues. What Ghent failed to do though was replace them, which they've struggled with this season. Yeah, they might have replaced them in this transfer window just gone. They bought eight new players, broke their record transfer fee twice. Because they were just thinking, look, we've really struggled without these three guys. We need more players in. What did they spend? Uh, I think their record fee, they spent around 
around €3 million Euros first off on a goalkeeper, a guy called Lovra Kalinic, who they brought in from Croatia. And then they spent about €3.5 on a guy called Yuya Kubo from Young Boys in uh, Switzerland. He's mm. a, a Japanese kind of striker, second striker sort of guy. And they, they both look good so far, but they've only played two or three games each for the club. What, um, is, that a, is that a large transfer fee in Belgium? Yeah. So, I mean, in the summer, the summer window, the largest fee that's ever been paid by a Belgian club was around €9 million Euros for a guy called Nikolai Stanchu, which was paid by, uh, paid by Anderlecht. Um, so that gives you, you know, Ghent are one of the bigger teams in, in Belgian football and their record transfer fee was €3.5 mm. million. So players go for a lot. I mean, Genk, this window, sold Ndidi to Leicester for around, I think it was around £15 million, pounds, and Leon Bailey to Leverkusen for... I'm not sure the exact figure but a similar fee so the outgoings players you know fetch a lot of money but they just don't often bring in players for the same value you um, you rate him quite highly don't you Ndidi I do Um, yeah I mean at at Genk he was superb for his age as well he would they play such an attacking formation he would essentially at times play as a one man midfield Mm. and would still just mop it up and wander around Would they have replaced him to, uh, to kind of fill that gap left by Kante I, I, think that, I think that was the idea they're they're slightly different players um, but I definitely think that was the idea because I mean obviously everyone's seen how much Leicester has suffered without Kante and I'm sure there are other factors to it but it's surely not pure coincidence that he came out and they were, suddenly they were leaking goals and I think that's the idea He's not Angola Kante at the moment. He's so young, but I do think he will he will grow into a, a really decent sort of top level footballer. Yeah, and and, and what about Spurs? I mean, we've obviously we have a, a penchant for uh, for Belgian players. Is there any any young any young players that we especially should be looking at, or anyone you think that might fit? There are there are a few actually. There's uh, there are a couple of guys at Anderlecht who are. I've been so impressed with this season. They were two central midfielders, both young Belgians, um, both capped by Martinez recently. A guy called Yuri Tielemans and a guy called Leander Dendonka. Uh, and they, they're they two players I would see fitting a Spurs system quite well because they're hard-working midfield players, quite well-disciplined. Um, but there's another guy called Henry Onyekuru, who's a 19-year-old player, was on the brink of going to Celtic in January, actually. Uh, and he's a winger and he's just... He came in this season. I'd never heard of the guy before the start of the season, and it just blown people away. Uh, he plays for a really small town club called Oipen, and it's just he's just something else to watch. Really? Yeah. So there, it, but it's kind of the sad thing for someone like me who day in day out watches Belgian football <laughs> because as soon as a guy gets really good, yeah. I stop seeing them and off they go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we did a special similar to this actually. We did a special about um, Vincent Janssen in the uh, in the summer. Yeah, and we there's a, a, a you might know a, a, a lady called uh, Priya Romesh, and she writes. She's written for the Guardian. She's she's only nineteen or whatnot, but she knows her football, and she focuses mainly on the, the Dutch league. Yeah, and I think she does the Belgian league as well. I'm pretty sure. But she said the same thing: is that every time you know there's a, a big stand-up player, then they end up going and they don't have to watch them anymore. But she also said that Vincent Janssen was very good, <laughs> and as it turns out, I was going to say you might disagree. With one that, of I, I, I'm not still not quite sure how he's made it. Like you mentioned about Koulibaly, yeah, I, I'm not sure 
what, and, and actually someone ask anyone you know at your company and yeah. get them to contact me and, and figure out what I'm not seeing about him because he seems almost his understanding of football seems kind of remedial he seems like <laughs> he's not able to position himself or he makes the wrong runs consistently um, his confidence is shot that's good yeah. but that's I'm not going to judge him on that but he gets compared to Soldado quite often and I mean it's just these Soldado missed chances he kind yeah. of Jansen's not even getting yeah. it yeah um, so it, it, as you guys Football Radar understand Vincent Janssen better than I am I, I wonder if well it is an interesting one because I mean a, a friend of mine he actually he left the company recently but he was covering the Dutch Eredivisie last season and when Janssen moved to Spurs he really was sort of just raving over him Yeah, not necessarily saying he's going to come in and, and push Harry Kane out the team and be a 25 goal a season striker but was just sort of so excited to see him in the Premier League and did think he would settle and it's just not been the case it's, it, it's, this is what I'm saying it's not, it's not like we actually made a pact I'm breaking my own pact that I made with the other lads in the fight got not to say anything bad about Janssen until we've got something good to say about him but it's just an opportunity that I can't pass up um, we'll see I hope to God I hope to God he comes back so if Harry Kane gets injured he's literally our, um, our forward line um, have you heard also have you heard of anything have you ever heard of Marcus Edwards um, yeah the youngster yeah so a lot yeah. of Spurs fans are really excited about him um, so that's another thing if you could feedback and what, what the opinions are and football okay. radar about do you have uh, do you have a, a, someone looking at each club in England yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's like all of our leagues though we don't put any sort of particular emphasis on the Premier League so we have two guys cover the Premier League oh, right. just as two guys cover cover every other league um, but they would know about mm. the youngsters in every team just as I know about your kind of your equivalents at Anderlecht and Ghent mm. really um, that's just that's so when, when, when you turned up at Football Radar was they were like oh you're going to you're going to cover the Belgian league and you're like fuck's sake no not at all actually because no when you start your first job is you start the role is called I think they've kind of rejigged the titles recently but it is a, you're essentially a football watcher mm. so you come in at the base level and your job is just to watch matches all day long um, live games recorded games and then if you kind of stay at the company for a bit and you can progress then you'll do something like I'm doing where you get assigned the league and you're kind of doing both on sort of live analysis and off pitch analysis and that sort of stuff and researching about the youngsters mm. and actually looking into how the team plays the tactics how they're going to shape up that sort of thing and what are you doing when you're a football watcher other than watching football are you just gathering information yeah. and opinion so I'm, I'm, and then reporting I'm, on the game yeah I'm on, I'm on Twitter all the time I'm using news sources I'm sort of chatting to journalists over in, in Belgium finding out what they think about mm. you know if there's some young guy starting suddenly for Ghent he's 17 years old I'm getting in touch with them and seeing what they know about him you know where does he play Where, what, how is he going to fit into this system mm. it's just about kind of knowing these teams like the back of your hand really yeah yeah fair enough alright that's amazing really interesting chat and I think oh, thanks for having me oh, no, it's a pleasure absolutely thanks for coming down I mean like I said I don't know I probably an admission here is I, I before researching and reading a bit before you were coming in I wouldn't have known a single Ghent player and that's my arrogance <laughs> is, I've been able to follow a team like Tottenham but um, you know it's just um, I do, I, do, do you know what my, I'm, the biggest thing is I don't know how you watch so much football like, <laughs> do you never look at it and think oh, I just can't be fucked to watch another game 
not don't, don't your bosses might listen but no I mean it's, it's to be honest though you know it's a full time job and I probably watch eight games a week so it's not too bad not too bad I'll, yeah. watch, I'll watch maybe one on a Friday one on a Saturday one on a Sunday and then in the week just kind of catch up on the others and the rest of the time I'm sort of researching football that there are times I go home after work and uh, if it's not one of my teams so I was saying yeah. Off my form, a Liverpool and Wales fan. If it's not one of them playing, sometimes I'm just thinking, I'll oh, put a film on. Or yeah, no yeah. Football for the day. Do you have a favourite? Have you kind of got a favourite Belgian side now? Can you say? Do you lean towards? You think I like watching these play because they can play great football. Or? It might even be Ghent, to be honest. Really? Because they're a re- they are a really interesting team. They are, you know, with sort of Van Hazebrook being kind of put as one of these. Uh, kind of top 50 managers they're an innovative team they play football like no other team I play I mean sometimes it can be a nightmare to analyse because I'm thinking <laughs> who one is playing on the right wing There's no one there this is a big gap and yet they've got two left wingers it's making no sense but at the same time you know it's I've got to check this out forward thinking football I'm going to keep an eye on that I'm going to Wembley for the game against Ghent and uh I'm, I'm quite high up so I'm going to, I'm going to keep oh, you get a good, good tactical view yeah yeah, yeah I will um, all right, fantastic. Um, thank you so much. Actually, you, you've got a podcast, the, the Football Radar. Yeah, Friday so podcast. we've got the Football Radar podcast. You can find it on uh, on sort of pretty much all, iTunes, all your yeah. usual podcast sources. iTunes, it's on there. And Twitter, just type. You got a Twitter account? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. It's fr football george. F R V O E T B A L George. And then we've also got the Football Radar Twitter account, which kind of just retweets all the best content from all our analysts covering all leagues. All right. Nice one, and thank you to all for for downloading. Um, it's been a bit of a different one. We, we kind of went off topic quite a lot, but talking about Tottenham can be boring too. So, so, so this has been quite interesting for me. Uh, and we'll see you next Monday as usual for the Fighting Cock. <laughs> this donkey's no longer the big dog. Ricky is. I'm not a big dog. You are. I'm just a main dog. I'm just a main dog. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.